Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In this weekend's scripture readings, it reminds us we can't live without joy in our life. If our life is all about funerals and not about going to weddings or baptisms or birthday parties, then life definitely is burdensome. In fact, even unbearable. And so we need to go to weddings and baptisms and funerals. We need to experience joy in our life from time to time. Yet at the same time, too much joy could result in disappointment. Say, for example, you know, your friend goes to a movie today and they call you up and they say, you've got to see this movie. It's powerful. Well, you go to the movie the next day and it's a dud. Well, it leads to disappointment. So we got to temper that joy that we have in our life. Well, the readings that we have been experiencing during this Easter season, the church invites us to be joyful, and we should. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that just doesn't give us the hope, but it gives us the promise of eternal life, that we are all going to experience immortality. We're going to live that out in the next world, the world of heaven. And so that should be a source of joy for us. And so, we must be fixated on the goal, which is heaven. You know, throughout my entire life, even as a little boy, my dad would always tell me, Danny, we're on this earth to get to heaven. Well, we have to be fixated on the goal. That's why we go to Mass every weekend. We pray every day. We do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy because we're fixated on the goal. You know, there's that great story about a woman She was unfortunately diagnosed with a rare disease, and the doctors gave her just a few months to live. Well, she went to the neighborhood funeral home, and she sat down with the funeral director, and she planned out her own funeral. Now, as they were wrapping up everything, she said to the funeral director, Now, when you have me there in the coffin during my visitation, I want you to put a fork in my hand. Well, the funeral director said, well, what are you crazy? Put a fork in your hand? Why? She said, I've gone to my share of church dinners as well as wedding banquets and funeral dinners. Now, they've all been good dinners. They've all been fine meals. But the best part of the meal was the dessert. And she said, I always savored when the waiter or the waitress would come and gather the dishes up. They would say to me, well, hold on to your fork for dessert. See, I knew something good was coming. She said, you know, I, you can't eat ice cream with a fork and you can't eat pudding with a fork, but you can't eat a piece of chocolate cake or a piece of apple or cherry pie, which are my favorites. And she then said, you know, throughout that entire time as she's waiting, she's holding on to that fork and she's thinking to herself, The best is yet to come. And so she said to the funeral director, I want you to tell everyone 
during the visitation as they look at me in my coffin holding that fork, why I'm holding it. It's because I believe the best is yet to come in heaven. She said, you know, I lived a good life here in this world. I have no complaints. But I truly believe with all my heart and with all my faith that the best is yet to come for us in heaven. And that's what I want everyone to know when they come and see me at my visitation. I think that's a great story. You know, that's a great story for us. You know, to believe with joy that we truly are going to be immortal. We will have eternal life. And that the best is yet to come. Therefore, we have to be focused on the goal. Now, with that in mind, turn to the first reading. Here we have in Acts of the Apostles, Paul and Barnabas. You know, they're coming back home. They just finished their first missionary trip. And they're coming back home to Jerusalem. And as they're coming home, they're revisiting those churches and faith communities that they established along the way. And these faith communities welcome Paul and Barnabas with great joy because they were their leaders. And Paul and Barnabas are very happy. Why? Because these churches are thriving. They're growing in their faith. Well, that's so important. And so there's abundant joy there. You know, there's an abundant joy here at our parishes. Almost four years ago, both of our parishes embraced stewardship. And because we did that, you know, we recognize the importance of sharing our prayers, our talent, as well as our skills and abilities, and our treasure. And in doing so, we've established 12 new ministries in less than four years. Well, that's powerful. You know, we did it because we recognized the needs of the community, and we went out and served those needs by establishing all these new ministries. And guess what? We're stronger for it. We're just like those first century communities. And that is a source of joy for us in all that we've done and all that we will do in the future, the potential that we have. And still, with that joy, we have to recognize, we have, again, have to be focused on the goal, the goal of heaven. And that's what the second reading from Revelation does for us. Now, Revelation, the book of Revelation, probably the most popular book in all of the Bible. You know, and it's inspired a lot of interest. And why not? It's the very last book of the Bible. You could say it's God's last word to us. Now, this has been a very popular book, you know, throughout the centuries. It's had in very intense scrutiny. So many people believe that within the book of Revelation is the hidden secret for the end of the world. You know, that all the telltale signs are revealed in the book of Revelation. Great example of this is the series Left Behind. You may have remembered it maybe eight to ten years ago. A series of books about the great rapture in which, you know, just a select few would be raptured or taken up into heaven and everyone else would be left behind on earth to fend for themselves. Well, what that did is, or that series of books did, is they took the book of Revelation, but they took specific excerpts words or even phrases from that, and then exploited it. Well, you can't read the book of Revelation like that. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but throughout this whole Easter season, for the past five weeks, we have read from the book of Revelation throughout the entire second reading at all the Masses on the weekends. Now, why is that? Because the church believes that the book of Revelation is a very important book. It unveils some of the deepest truths about God 
the Holy Trinity, as well as heaven itself. Now, just look at the word itself, revelation. The Greek word of revelation is apocalypse. Well, when you think about that, when you hear that word for the first time, apocalypse, you think, oh my gosh, that's the end of the world. That does not mean that. Apocalypsis means to unveil. You know, revelation, the Latin word is revelation, which means to reveal. So the book of Revelation is not about the end of the world. We shouldn't fear it. Instead, we should embrace the book of Revelation with great joy because it reveals, it unveils the deepest truths about God, heaven, and our relationship with God. And that's what's happening, you know, in the second reading for this weekend. John, he opens up and he sees this divine light and he sees heaven before him. Now it says, John saw the former heaven and the former world pass away. Now, anyone could say, oh my gosh, he's describing the end of the world. Well, he's not. What he's really describing is the old world order. You know, before Jesus Christ came into this world, the old world was ordered towards violence and prejudice and hatred and sin and above all death. Death reigned over the old world and death was the final say over us. But Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he wipes that all away. And that's what John is describing. A new world, a new world order is being established through Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's what John is trying to describe there. A new world that we live into right now that is governed by Christ, Christianity, the doctrines and teachings of Christ, the Eucharist, the Holy Trinity, as well as heaven and immortality for us all. Now, what we have to recognize is what John is referring to as the promise of eternal life. You know, as I said many times before, I've quoted you St. Irenaeus. St. Irenaeus once said, We are resident aliens in this world. Our citizenship belongs in heaven. It's true. We truly are resident aliens here. Our homeland does not belong here. Instead, it belongs in heaven. And that's why we always have to believe in that. Be fixated on the goal. And when we are, we are joyful people because of that. And I'll leave you with just one last thought. God says to John, God's dwelling is with the human race. Well, that's a powerful statement made by God. God just doesn't want to dwell on his own. He wants to dwell with us. And see, that's what we remember. We are reminded of every time we gather for Mass on the weekends. Every time we gather for Mass on the weekends, we are reminded that God dwells with us in the Word of God that is preached, in the Eucharist of Jesus' body and blood, as well as with us gathered as a church. Every time we gather for Mass, and this is why it's so important for us to come to Mass every weekend, to recognize that great promise that God dwells with the human race. And we realize and believe in that. And every time we gather for Mass, we are fixated on the goal, reminded of what the goal is for each and every one of us. Now, one way to recognize this is if you listen to the prayers of the Mass, we are always recognize who is around us, the saints and the angels. Now, we don't see the saints and the angels in our churches, with the blind eye, but they truly are there with us. Why? 
because the saints and the angels are always around God, worshiping him. And so if we are worshiping God at Mass, so are the saints and the angels. You know, that's the reason why we address them throughout the Mass. I'll give you a great example of this. Right before we sing the Holy, Holy, the priest says, you know, we blend our voices with all the saints and the angels as we acclaim. And then we launch right into singing the Holy, Holy. Well, we recognize that the angels and the saints are present with us as we are present with God who dwells with the human race now and always. So this is an important passage, the first reading as well as the second reading. You know, we should be joyful at the great promise of immortality, eternal life. And we are always focused on the goal. Friends, we have to hold up our fork each and every day of our life and truly believe the best is yet to come for us all. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.